Stillness is not the absence of noise, but it's the absence of resistance. Yeah. And I thought that was so brilliant. So when you're sitting, you know, in meditation, in prayer, it's not that there's not noise happening all the time. Our Mm -hmm. monkey mind is going crazy, but it's that we're not resisting it. We're not trying to force ourselves into some kind of blissful state. And we're also not um, attaching to any thoughts. We're just noticing, letting go, noticing, letting go. That action of that mental action of doing that is what then allows us to do that in our everyday life. Yeah. Not attach, to mm. let things go, to move through things, um, to really kind of start noticing um, that our ego controls a lot of what we do and we don't need it to. I know that there's something so special about you and me, babe. You got me, you got me, you got me feeling fine so just say the words because you know what it means to me babe when you get me you get me you get me feeling right your eyes your eyes hypnotize me baby oh your eyes oh your eyes Hello, my wonderful friends, and welcome back to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn. I'm your host, and uh, this is episode number 133. And today we're sitting down with my friend Kelly Weber, who is a uh, spiritual director and a mindfulness coach. Now, I met Kelly uh, on a I don't know, call it like a retreat of sorts. Uh, It's called the Wild Goose Festival. Um, I've gone every year for the last three years, except this year. Well, 2020, I did not go because of COVID. They they canceled it. 2021 is still up in the air. Not really sure what they're doing, but I went to it the previous one, two, previous two years. And uh, really good stuff. This is a place, uh, a gathering in North Carolina, where a whole bunch of progressive-minded, spiritually-thinking people come together uh, to talk about, think about, um, brainstorm about, dream about how to move the world forward in the love of the Christ. And you have people there who are Christians. You have people there who are Muslim, people there who are Jewish, people there who are atheists, people coming together who have this vision of a better world and how to move the world forward in love. And it's such an amazing thing because you go around to these tents and there's all these different speakers and there's food trucks um, and there's a big open space where they have like larger gatherings and so cool. Uh, I've met so many wonderful people through um, that event and I am extremely grateful for the voice it's had in my life. Uh, but I met I met Kelly there. Uh, we were there at one of the uh, one of the sessions. It was like an all day session, uh, being led by Mike Morell, who's been on the podcast before. And it was at a very sensitive time in my life where I was really, really wrestling with 
kind of entering this journey of deconstruction and taking a lot of heat from people in in my old tribe. Uh, Some people who are family, uh, some people who I've known for a very long time, some professors from seminary, some fellow students at seminary, uh, just some people that I had gone to church with in the past, people who have uh, either kind of cut me off altogether or have just come out and said the most horrible things to me. And I was sitting there really feeling the, the weight of all of this emotion. And I was sitting next to Kelly. And uh, Kelly and I had some really deep conversations throughout the day. Uh, we did a couple of breakout sessions together and we t- discussed things a little bit deeper. And she's been a, a real encouragement to me, uh, a very big supporter of the podcast. And uh, I was really excited to bring her on and uh, pick her brain a little bit about what she does and uh, give us some ideas of how we can integrate some of her own work um, into our everyday uh, spiritual lives. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. Uh, but before we jump in, a, a couple of things. Number one, uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash project is a place where you can go to support the show financially. So if this has encouraged you, it's inspired you, it's pushed you forward in your faith, uh, you can give anywhere from $3 a month up to $20 a month, and every single tier gets its own reward, whether it's a bonus uh, vlog post, like a video that I send out every week, uh, maybe a book that I send in the mail, but every tier gets a little something as a thank you. But new new to the show is if you're not too into uh, giving like a monthly subscription type thing, I get it because I'm not either. <laughs> I don't really like those kind of things either. I get it. Some people like that. Some people don't. Uh, but you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash project. So, so maybe you hear an episode or you read a blog post or whatever and you're like, man, this was good. This really helped me. I wish I could take Glenn out for some coffee so we could talk about it. So maybe when COVID is over, and life is back to some kind of normal, and we live close together, I'd love to go out for coffee with you. That's great. I like Starbucks, and I like a venti. So get ready ready to to drop a little bit of money. Just kidding. I do do like Starbucks. I do like ventis. But if you took me for coffee, I'd probably order a tall because that's that's what I do. But anyway, uh, I'm going sidetracked. I got coffee on the brain. I love coffee. Coffee, coffee, coffee. Uh, But anyway, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash whatifproject and you can give uh, $5, like a one-time gift of $5. That's like a latte. Uh, $10, that's like a latte and a, and a sandwich. But that's a place where you can go to give a one-time gift as opposed to doing a subscription uh, over at Patreon. So I'll put the link to both of those things in the show notes. Uh, also in the show notes is the Heretic Shop. If you want to buy a hoodie, uh, you want to buy a hat, you want to buy a t-shirt, you want to buy... I don't know, something fun like that. We've got blankets. We've got all sorts of stuff there. Uh, the Heretic Shop, I'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. And uh, special music today is from my friend uh, DJ Dot. She is someone who I work, to, work with at Apple, and uh, she is a really, really gifted artist. Uh, she's a wonderful human being doing really good work in the world and definitely one of the most encouraging people that I've come across in my own uh, spiritual journey. So look her up on Spotify. Uh, Apple Music, all the places. I'll put her links in the show notes as well. Uh, DJ K. So all of that to say, this, my friends, is episode number 133, and it's my conversation with the one and the only, my friend, Kelly Weber. Enjoy. Tonight. 
Hello, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today, we're sitting down with my friend Kelly Weber. Uh, Kelly and I met at the Wild Goose Festival back in 2019, and I've kept in touch on social media. She's a spiritual director, and I am excited for you all to meet her. So, Kelly, welcome to the podcast. It's great to talk to you. Great to talk to you, too, Glenn. I'm really excited. I've, it's been fun to listen to the podcast mm. over the last year, and um, so, yeah, I'm excited to be talking with you. Well, I appreciate your encouragement because you're always one to shoot me a message. Uh, you've bought a couple of t-shirts from the, the heretic shop. So thank you for, for your encouragement. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. So before we get too deep into uh, anything, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Uh, what do you do? All the things we need to know about Kelly. Yeah, the nuts and bolts. So yes. um, I live in St. Louis, Missouri. I grew up on the East Coast. Um, I have been a theater teacher, a high school theater teacher for the last 20, over 20 years. Hmm. Um, and I've been a professional actor here in St. Louis. Um, I'm married in a kind of in a blended family with four kids hmm. and I have a dog named Lola. And I'm recently been certified in spiritual direction. And you're working with, do I have this right, Richard Rohr, Richard Rohr School? Yeah, I'm part of the Living School um, cohort right now, the 2021 cohort, um, or the, yeah, 2020, no, 22 cohort. I just started. I just started. Got it, got it. 20 something. (laughs) 20 something. Yeah. So I am, yeah, so this is, so basically the last several years has been this kind of crazy uh, time for me where I, there was kind of an intersection of, you know, discovering Roar and his teaching, mm. um, getting certified in secular mindfulness to teach to, to high school kids yeah. and getting my certification for spiritual direction. So it's been this real rich, rich, fertile time yeah. uh, for learning for me, which has been great as a, you know, 50 year old woman. That's, mm. it's been a great time. And uh, yeah, and so I've been learning a lot and trying to kind of bring some people along with me. That's awesome. Now, do you spend time at the school or is it all virtual or is it both? Uh, it's virtual. It's, it's pretty intense coursework um, online for two years. And then there's four times during the symposium, th- during the, the coursework that you go to Albuquerque and you meet uh, in smaller cohorts, um, well, two times when, with everybody, and then and then one time, three times with everybody, one time in a small cohort. There you right, go. right. Now so is it to be in person? Yeah. Okay. Is it different because of COVID? Have they had to change anything, or is it? Yeah, we had to do the first symposium online, which okay. was they did a great job with it. Um, but yeah, so many, so many plans. Yeah, I've been had monkey wrenches thrown in it, right? Yep. So spiritual direction, um, yeah. maybe define that for me, because I think 
like for myself, I've heard so many different definitions or ways of describing it that like the other day, somebody asked me, what is spiritual direction? And I had like a thousand answers and none of them felt like they were right. So how, how, would, how would you as a spiritual director uh, define spiritual direction? Yeah. Well, actually you were all, probably all of your thousand definitions were probably all right. And it <laughs> seemed like they weren't right. Um, so I didn't, I had never heard of spiritual direction say yeah. four years ago. Um, but I always kind of thought to myself, I need a therapist for my church baggage. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of church baggage. Yeah. Um, you don't and, pick up baggage from church, do you, Kelly? No. <laughs> never, never. <laughs> um, so, uh, but spiritual direction is an ancient practice, originally, like centuries old. It yeah. um, started uh, in the Catholic Church, and it was a kind of a, a way for um, mentoring of mostly cler- clergy, um, but but then it also kind of people would. Um, spiritual direct parishioners and such but now it's it's much more open it's much more expansive it's with all faith traditions it's definitely an interspiritual uh practice now Mm. um and i would define it as as kind of a, a safe space in which you can explore process struggle with your connection to the divine to love, to God, whatever your um, name for you know the ground of being is, mm. and by doing so, really find a deeper authenticity in your life mm. and um, meaning. You know, a, a a real sense of purpose and meaning, no matter you know where you are in your life, what you do, um, and 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 that's what that's what really excites me about it is I feel like it's, it's a way of um, finding the store, the sacred story of your life, Mm. connecting the dots and looking and seeing where, where God has shown up where you didn't think God was there. Yeah. Um, And being able to identify those times and those, and, and how you've been really uh, guided through struggles, through um, high points in your life, to to being right here, and that there is purpose and there is meaning mm. for each one of our lives, and and um, it's an ex- it, it's a it's a it's been a really um, powerful practice in my life, and I'm really really enjoying um, companioning other people on that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like you shine a spotlight or help shine a spotlight, maybe on where God is at or working or moving or where a person's experiencing God that they might not be able to see without a little bit of guidance. Would that be right? Yeah. I mean, I think the same way kind of similar, it's not therapy by any means, Yeah. similar in therapy that the way that a therapist kind of mirrors back to you, um, you know, and allows you to kind of see and yourself in all your beauty and messiness. Um, a spiritual director does mirror back kind of God's love for you. Mm. And, um, and I think that processing in that kind of space um, is, is really helpful. Yeah. Now, do you ever have, do you ever find yourself having to like refer somebody 
to a counselor, like if like maybe like you talk about church baggage, like maybe some of their baggage is so deep that you're like, this is a little out of my element. So maybe you need to talk to somebody yeah. else. Yeah, for sure. For, I mean, for sure that does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of time people that come to spiritual direction, usually like a lot of times they'll have a, a therapist also. And that's okay. the questions I'll ask is, you know, do you have a therapist that you talk to? And, mm-hmm. and so that's, that's helpful. And that's, you know, so the, sometimes you can kind of veer into areas where I'm like, you know, this might be something that you want to talk to your therapist about, or, you know, for myself, even like when I've gone to my spiritual director, if I find that I t- like, I'm talking about this one thing and it keeps coming back, it keeps coming back. I'm like, yeah. you know, maybe I should take that to a therapist. Maybe there's something deeper in there that, um, but there's this, so they, spiritual direction and therapy can kind of walk hand in hand. Okay. Um, and there's definitely, a, you know, a bit of overlap. Sure. But yeah, I definitely would. It makes sense. So how, how would somebody like find a spiritual director? Because like, obviously you're, you're one and I'll put your info in the show notes. But like, let's say somebody's listening to this and they're like, you know, this sounds like something maybe I need. Like I have my own church baggage. I need to go through some stuff. I don't really know where God is moving in my life, whatever. Like, how do you know that you found a good one? Because like, if I want to look for a counselor, you know, I'd look at their area of specialty, like maybe working with addicts or working with people who are victims of some kind of trauma. I look at their degrees. I want to know where they studied, how long they studied. But like when it comes to a spiritual director, like where do you begin? What do you look for? Yeah, that's, uh, so there's, there is a, an international, um, an agency, spiritual directors international is an organization that, uh, that that is a clearinghouse and information in a professional hmm. site for spiritual directors. There is actually, even though I say I'm a certified spiritual director, I went through a certificate program at a seminary. Okay. To do that. But there is no like, you know, uh, standard sort of certifying for, so, so there is a lot, you know, there are people that just kind of call themselves spiritual directors. Right. Yes. I was, yeah, that's what I was asking, yeah. I guess, is what I was getting at. Is there somebody who could just say, I'm a spiritual director because they're interested in this stuff or is there actually sure. a, yeah. And, okay. And sometimes, you know, that it is, you know, you certainly are led through a process when you do go to study Sure. sure. that, you know, this is a gift, you know, a giftedness, it's a charism, yeah. you know, and some people do have that charism and they just have tended to do that their whole life. And maybe they don't really need that. So yeah. I wouldn't necessarily discount somebody who hasn't been through a program. Hmm. Because there are plenty of, you know, really beautiful, deep, you know, people who <laughs> walk this walk. Yeah. Um, I needed a little help. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a little help from my um, friends. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but definitely on that SDI website, if you look up Spiritual Directors International, they have okay. a clearinghouse. You can put in your area. You can put in the kinds of things you're looking for, what religious preferences you have. Hmm. Um, and they will show, you know, who was in your area. And right now is a great time because most people are on Zoom. If you want to, you know, it's wonderful to meet in person with somebody, but yeah. you can you can really do stuff on Zoom. I, my spirit, my first spiritual director, I'm in St. Louis. He was in Malibu, California. He was a um, uh, uh, worked at a university there, hmm. and so we met for over a year just on the phone, hmm. and it was lovely. You know, hmm. it was 
it was really a sacred time. Um, so don't be afraid of, of, you know, moving beyond your area too. And what so, was that website again? Spiritual directors international. Got it. Make sure that goes in the, in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's almost like maybe almost like a, think of it like, like pastors, like there's some pastors who have really no education, but some of those pastors I think are better pastors than the pastors who have years yeah. and years of education because they have that natural gift of just communicating with people, talking with people, mm-hmm. helping people see things that maybe they're not able to see on their own. Whereas somebody who is super educated might have all of the degrees, but they don't have that innate gift, I guess. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it is, it is a listening practice. It is yeah. a listening. Uh, and um, so really you want to, when you go to somebody, you want to try them like maybe three times. Hmm. Um, and also just, to make listeners aware it's it's a practice like in therapy you might go to therapist once a week yeah. for a spiritual director you go once a month hmm. usually it's typical for like an hour you talk to somebody and then you know you and then you have a whole month of kind of you know whatever's going on in your life to hmm. bring back to um, that time but if if you feel that your director isn't really a, a a good listener that's really what you're looking for is somebody who can who can listen and and mirror back what, where you are got it and does you do somebody typically go like for a long period of time like is it something like you commit to a year or because like i when i've been kind of counseling like i've sometimes the calendar said we're gonna we're gonna do this for six months or we're gonna do this for eight months or a year or you know, we're gonna do this for four months then we're gonna kind of debrief and see if you want to continue like how does it work with spiritual direction yeah, I think it varies for people. I mean, okay. I think that people who have had the same spiritual director for years and years and years, I think it's a practice that mm. you can have for a lifetime, for sure. I mean, that you can have a spiritual director for, for, for your life. But I would probably think that that it's it's maybe something that you'd want to move from one to another to kind of, because you really are gleaning a lot from them in their um, in their practice and their walk. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, you know, I would say, you know, you could go for a year, a couple of years with one person then move then okay. try somebody else. And, you know, if you're a man, go to somebody who's a woman, if you're, mm. you know, or vice versa and see, you know, what that might, might bring to the, um, the walk with you. Yeah. Kind of change your perspective a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. So you also mentioned uh, secular mindfulness. Yeah. Uh, so maybe talk about that because that, that word secular definitely carries a lot of baggage for a lot of people, especially mm-hmm. our uh, ex-evangelicals who are listening. Yeah. Uh, so when I hear secular, my mind automatically thinks evil. And I know that's obviously not the, the case, but like what, what is secular mindfulness? Talk about that. Yeah. So I kind of stumbled upon mindful. I mean, obviously mindfulness is, you know, is comes from, um, Buddhism. It is again, like spiritual direction and ancient philosophy and Mm. practice, but my experience with it, kind of how I came to it was, um, as a teacher and seeing actually since I, I'm going to say in, in my, uh, humble opinion since Mm -hmm. in 2006 and the advent of the smartphone, Mm. um, an increasing, uh, 
increasing anxiety, um, isolation, social anxiety with with kids, with teenagers. Um, And, and it's, you know, I've been in the classroom for over 20 years and I've seen a real marked difference in Mm -hmm. the way kids are um, handling their mental wellness. And, um, and at one point, uh, this was maybe eight years ago, I stumbled upon a mindfulness-based stress reduction program. Hmm. And mindfulness-based stress reduction is really kind of the, the, it's John Kabat-Zinn who basically is the, uh, the doctor scientist who took Buddhist mindfulness and secularized it, meaning took it out of kind of a more mystical, um metaphysical realm and brought it into a more science-based program and Mm -hmm. he brought it to specifically first he brought it to um mass general hospital where he did a study with pain patients and chronic pain patients and he taught them what is now mindfulness-based stress reduction which is basically meditation Mm -hmm. um uh learning uh, awareness techniques, being able to notice and name how you're feeling, I, sensations, mm. and detachment, learning how to respond rather than react to things. Mm. And so in a very kind of a pretty short time through this teaching, what they found was that there were some patients who actually uh, their, their pain actually decreased, mm. actually decreased. Mm. But with all of the patients, their life really improved. And, and what they kind of found in this first study was that, that there's, there's two things happening. There's the event, the pain, right? Yep. The suffering. And then there's the relationship to the event, mm. how we relate to our suffering. Mm. Um, and that that, while they didn't have control over their pain, they did have control over their relationship to their pain. Mm-hmm. And so um, now mindfulness, I mean, you know, mindfulness is like everywhere. Yeah. There's mindfulness everywhere. And so mm-hmm. I, it took me about, after I found that first, you know, program, I kind of just kind of knocked around the edges of it until finally I was like, this is enough. I, I had asked my own teenagers, I was like, Hey, when do you feel most at peace? Mm. And they were like, you know, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what's that mean? <laughs> You're speaking another language. So yeah. I was like, okay, that's enough. Yeah. So I uh, enrolled in this program called mindful schools, which is out in California. And, uh, teaches a really terrific curriculum for public, you know, for public schools, parochial school, any kind of school, but yeah. it's secular, meaning it is not religious, mystical, metaphysical yeah. in any way. We are teaching, you know, neuroscientifically proven practices mm-hmm. that help to create a, a, a more well person. How so- is that received by Kids, like you said, you, you go into schools and you teach this. Like, how do they receive that? I teach it with my own students and, and, okay. and I teach it in the health classes in my school. And okay. I have gone to some other schools too. Um, kids really love it. I mean, mm. 
you know, what we do to our kids uh, in school and, you know, school is not changed that much, you know, in a hundred years. Yeah. We are still in this factory mode of cranking, grinding through, you know, eight classes a day, 45 minutes, all this work, go home, homework. I mean, there, we haven't found anything better. I mean, I'm sure there are things better, but we, it moves so slowly. So to have a break and to, um, to slow down and to breathe, yeah. notice, actually have a moment to notice how they're feeling hmm. is a radical, radical act in the life of a teenager. Yeah, they probably welcome it, I would imagine, at some they, level. Yeah. We actually had a, a mindfulness coach on the show uh, over the summer. Her name is Meg Salter. I don't know if you've heard of her. But yeah. uh, she, she wrote a book called Mind Your Life. Uh, but I'm interested. She talked about mindfulness, obviously, a lot. But from your perspective, like how – how do these two areas, you're kind of like almost like a specialist, I would say, in spiritual direction and mindfulness, but how do these two things inform one another? Because I was thinking about it like before, uh, yesterday, before we, we talked and, you know, I felt like, I feel like on the surface, maybe they seem like two different things, but your work seems to kind of blend them together into one. So, so how do you, how do you think each one informs the other? Well, in, in, in a couple different ways, and, and it's, it's kind of amazing that these these things, I think these two things, spiritual direction and mindfulness. And I would say the third prong of that is, is centering prayer, which is the mm. Christian contemplative kind of meditation practice. Um, those three things kind of all came into my life within like six months of each other. Mm. And so in studying all three at the same time, um, they really became integral for me in that, the, the wisdom in Christian practice in Christianity. And, and, and this is all new to me because I was raised evangelical. I was raised, you know, very conservative. And so none of these things were in my um, lexicon of practices outside sure. of quiet time, you know, and devotions, <laughs> right. morning <laughs> devotions, <laughs> it, you know, and, yeah. and, and even then like, what 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 did that consist of like how do do you do that why do you do that um and and now to kind of to layer on the neuroscience and what actually happens in the brain when we Mm. pray yeah i think you know these you know these these mystics these these uh the desert mothers and fathers like all of these the, the the cloud of unknowing all of these kind of ancient writings and ancient practices in christianity are absolutely on target with what we now know from modern neuroscience to be healthy um practices for our life mm-hmm. and and that just that just it gives me a great sense of um, connection to my faith that I never had before. Really, yeah. that this is that this is grounded in something really more than true. Yeah, that's really good. So let's talk about that third spoke then, contemplative yeah. prayer. Um, I've been doing a lot of uh, mindfulness meditation during the the pandemic. The mm-hmm. pandemic. Uh, I told you before I work for Apple. And uh, they gave us a subscription to the 10% Happier app. Nice. And uh, we do what's called the Mindful Minute Challenge. We're actually doing it right now, the whole company. 
where they challenge you to meditate for at least a minute uh, for 30 days. And they have like a whole thing within the app that's customized directly for Apple. But uh, it keeps track of your stats. And I have this addictive personality. So I, <laughs> I, I looked at it yesterday and I'm at a streak of like 180 days and like 3,000 minutes. But I love it. I'm really, I feel like it's really done a lot for me uh, mentally and, and emotionally. But I really want to integrate contemplative prayer into the routine kind of especially as we ride into the the new year and although i feel like like those 180 days of meditation are probably a, a really good foundation i'm also a little embarrassed to say that I'm, I'm a bit confused as to what contemplative prayer or centering prayer is and how like how do you do it if that makes sense because like you like i grew up evangelical and you there's one way to pray you know <laughs> you just sit down and you you pray, you go through your request, you pray for people, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I feel like contemplative prayer is something I've heard, again, like a lot of different people describe and what it is and how to do it, but I'm a little bit confused. So maybe uh, uns unscramble it for me if, if you could and maybe talk to us about what it looks like to start that kind of a, of a practice. Can I, can I ask you a question first? Please, yes. So in your 180 days of practice, Yeah. And you said it, it. You feel like it's making a difference. Yeah. Tell me, like, what what have you noticed has shifted for you? Um, I think one of the biggest things is, like, when you're when you're doing your your practice, like to talk about, you know, trying to. Um, Joseph Goldstein is one of the big people in the in the in the app. One of the uh, meditation teachers. He talks about starting again. You know, and how like when you're you're sitting and you're just trying to quiet your, your mind and all of a sudden you, you go off on this trail of thoughts and the trail of thoughts might last for five minutes before you realize, oh, <laughs> I'm thinking about this random stuff. But then the point is to start again, go back to listening to your breath or to a certain feeling in your body. And so I've noticed that that has helped me in my everyday life almost notice different emotions that maybe I've been unaware of in the past that all of a sudden I'll be something will happen and this emotion will pop up and instead of just riding with it down the rabbit trail, I'll be like, Oh, like what's that? And I'll mm -hmm. be able to just kind of stop and examine it. So that that's never happened to me prior to these 180 days. But as I got about like a month, two months into it, I started to notice these different things awaken in me that have obviously always been there, but I never really noticed them before. That's how yeah. I would summarize it. That's, that's awesome. So that what you just described—that's that's a noting practice, hmm. um, and and that 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 noticing kind of how we're feeling allows us to step back and not be that emotion, right? But hmm. to really right. examine it and and kind of take a step back, and hmm. that's when we're able to kind of respond rather than just react, right? Yeah, and we're not yeah. driven. We're not kind of a slave to those those. Um, uh, nervous system responses. Right. Um, so yeah. So centering prayer is 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 very much is very similar. I think uh, I think to that kind of practice. It's there. It it stems. It comes from um, the the primary text is from the cloud of unknowing, mm. which is an anonymous text. It's actually the first. Uh, spiritual text written in English. Oh, wow. 
Hmm. I had no idea until I learned it at living school. This, yeah. this um, and so it was written, written in uh, old English and, um, and in it, it outlines kind of this process of this specific kind of prayer, which hmm. um, basically it's very simple. It's, it starts with a, um, a consent to, uh, to be in the presence of God. Mm. So you just start by, by giving consent. Um, and then you introduce a sacred word. So a word or a phrase, something that, that if, if you're, a, if you're a mindfulness meditator, you would call that an anchor. Yeah. So, it, um, in contemplative in centering prayer it's called a, a sacred word hmm. so you have a sacred word and you introduce the sacred word kind of you know into your into your thoughts and then you let it go away and then for a nanosecond there is maybe clear space hmm. um, and then a thought comes or a sense comes or um, any anything hmm. happens and again it's just about noticing it yeah. And about letting it just melt away, not becoming attached to those mm. thoughts. And so um, when you notice that you've attached to a thought, like, oh, that's a good one. I just want to stick around here for a little while. Um, then you introduce your sacred word as kind of your anchor. And that reminds you to kind of come back yeah. to... Um, that stillness. And I, I love, I love this quote. Um, uh, Cynthia Bourgeau uh, taught um, for a few weeks on centering prayer and on the cloud of unknowing and Thomas Keating, who's the, um, kind of the father of centering prayer. She, she quotes him. She asked him once, you know, what is stillness? And he said, stillness is not the absence of noise, but it's the absence of resistance. And I thought that was so brilliant. So when you're sitting, you know, in meditation, in prayer, it's not that there's not noise happening all the time, our mm-hmm. monkey mind going crazy, but it's that we're not resisting it. We're not trying to force ourselves into some kind of blissful state. And we're also not um, attaching to any thoughts. We're just noticing, letting go, noticing, letting go. Yeah. Um, and that that action of do that mental action of doing that is what then allows us to do that in our everyday life. Yeah. Not attach to Mm. let things go, to move through things, um, to really kind of start um, noticing um, that our ego controls a lot of what we do and we don't need it to give that over to, um, and and then again, that's that place where you're starting to move into more authenticity and deeper meaning because you're not being just triggered by your own sense of self, right? Yeah. Does that does that kind of explain the? Yeah, very much. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about like even how that ties into into mindfulness because one of the things I talk about a lot is like not being judgmental of mm-hmm. your thoughts and. Yes. How early on, like when I first started, I'm like, oh, here comes another thought. Like, this is ridiculous. My mind can't, you know, focus on anything for any amount of time. And it was like, this is constant judgment. But as I started to just allow the thoughts to come and not judge them, um, 
I notice that they, they just drift away a lot quicker. Like if I try to resist them, they get stronger yes. and I get more annoyed. But yeah. if I just let them be and I'm, I just, I just note them like, Oh, there's my imagination again, or there's, you know, um, you know, a problem that I'm thinking about again, it just kind of melts away into the background. And I've noticed that that's made me more, more accepting of myself. I think in everyday, everyday life, like less judgmental of myself in everyday life. Like, I guess that, that practice of noting and that practice of not being judgmental in the mindfulness practice has carried over into everyday life, which I guess is the goal. In some it, sense. That, it is totally <laughs> the goal. It is totally the goal. The, yeah. the, the practice of meditation, the practice of prayer, it's not about having a, like some kind of, you know, ecstatic experience in that prayer time mm. or in that meditation. It's, it is a, the fruits of the practice are found in your everyday life. Yeah. And, and that thing that, that, that specific thing that you're talking about, that non-judgment, that's, that is one of the things that I found with my practice too, is that it's not that I'm so much more confident, but I just, I'm not attached to what people think as much anymore. Yeah. So I'm much braver. Like I'm uh-huh. doing things now that I would never have done five years ago. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And that's so freeing, you know, the it's, and, and, and with that bravery, I think also comes a real sense of um, uh, a sense of wanting to be of service. Yeah. And um hmm. And that is something I found 100% in both a secular mindful community, the people that I know in that community Mm. and people I know in kind of contemplative Christian communities, this, this, this real sense of um, authentic longing to serve. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge. I think that authenticity is, is a, that bravery is a good point. I hadn't really thought about that, but. Like when you and I first met at Wild Goose, mm-hmm. we met, uh, Mike Morell was doing the uh, wisdom camp. Wisdom camp, and, yeah. Yeah, and I was dealing with all sorts of stuff just prior to that that weekend at Wild Goose, but there was a lot of stuff going on in my life where a lot of people from my, my past and my little tribe were really upset with me. And I remember feeling in this space of being very hesitant to do what I felt inside I wanted to do and therefore very judgmental about kind of what I was doing because I felt like I was disappointing people you know and I think that now that you talk about that like it just makes me think that perhaps this this practice that I've been doing uh, for these last five six months is perhaps helped to give me a deeper sense of bravery because somebody actually, Mike Morrell actually messaged me the other day and he said, I've noticed that your posts have become a lot more braver <laughs> over the last, <laughs> over the last few months. And uh, we talked about that a little bit, but it's funny that you say that because I'm wondering now if yeah. that is perhaps part of, part of why. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think so. I think so. And, and I think, you know, if you, it, it, it can also be a good indicator for you when you fall out of your practice, mm. when you like notice um, 
like, oh, I'm, I'm checking to, you know, if you post something and then you're constantly checking back to see how it's being received. Yeah. Right. right. You know, that I know when I'm doing that, that I've kind of fallen, I've fallen up, up you know, lost the plot a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's, mm. I think that's amazing. Completely. And, you know, the other, the other part of this practice you're doing, the one minute, um, when asked, uh, there was a, uh, a mindfulness teacher, um, famous mindfulness teacher. Um, he, they asked, and I think this, I read, I heard this on one of the 10% happier podcasts. Mm. They asked him, you know, what is the minimum that needs to be done to really get a benefit for a mindfulness benefit? Mm. And he said, one deep, full breath. Yeah. Hmm. That's it. Yeah. Um, you know, and when we look you know, at, at the Bible and the, you know, the way that the Bible talks about breath and the way that um, uh, there's, you know, it's, it's all through there as well. It is all through there. Yeah. That's really good. So as we close it out, um, everything we've talked about, we've talked about spiritual direction, uh, mindfulness, contemplative prayer. What is your, I guess your word of encouragement? I don't want to say advice, but like, what would you say to the everyday person? Like they're working a nine to five job. They're trying to make ends meet. They have a long commute. They've got a mortgage, spouse, kids, mm-hmm. bills, all the things. Like what's your advice for that person going into 2021, wanting to, to focus more on their mental, emotional, spiritual well-being, hearing about spiritual direction, mindfulness, contemplative prayer. They want to integrate something, all of these things, whatever. Like take it all together and make it super practical for us. Okay. First and most important, I think, hmm. is just be gentle with yourself. Yeah. Um, hmm. There's no one way to be feeling or responding, you know, to what's been happening in our culture yep. and what is, you know, going to be um, our future. There, it's, We're recording this in October, so we don't know. We don't know what's coming. We don't know what's coming. <laughs> We're yeah, right before a, an election. Um so just be gentle with yourself. I know, yeah. I know people who are really struggling financially yeah. and, um, and yet are in a really great emotional, spiritual place. Mm-hmm. And I know people who are fine financially and, and who are desperately struggling. Yeah. So um, don't feel like necessarily what the world tells you, you know, is the struggle needs to, you know needs to be your struggle struggle you can feel however you want to feel mm. and that's okay um and i would say trust too that that you know your true self that, that god will will lead you to is that you need right now um yeah. i i am not a great a prayer meditator when my life does not have structure. So mm. for the last six months, I, I've been I've been terrible about my practice. But what I have been really good at is I have rediscovered knitting, and I've been knitting like a mm. fiend. Mm. And I realized that rather than feeling guilty about not getting on my mat as often as I want, um, that really you know that I've been led to this really meditative, 
beautiful practice of, you know, kind of keeping my hands busy and it kind of calms my, 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 my heart and my breath. And that's really where I need to be right now. That's my contemplative practice. Um, so just trust that, that look at your life and notice where are the places that, that are giving you joy and peace right now. And that's probably where you just need, you know, don't feel like because somebody tells you, you know, you should be meditating 20 minutes a day, that that's what you need to be doing. And then I would say, reach out and ask for help. And, and also reach out and help no matter where you are, what your situation is, because there's such, um, it's that there's such a gift in, in, in helping. And also just notice how simply we're all really able to live. Hmm. Um, You know, what have you been living without that you can, you know, that you've been forced to kind of live without and how has that impacted your life? Um, Maybe for the better. Mm-hmm. So be gentle. You know, trust that the practices are, are are at your fingertips, and you don't need to be kind of some, you know, guru um, person to to get the benefits of a contemplative lifestyle. Yeah. And help and be helped and um, and live simply. I think what you said about doing the things that give you joy too and how that can almost be a practice yeah. in and of itself is huge like it's funny my, my wife and i just we just had our 10-year anniversary uh early in, the, in this month in october and when we got married her wedding her gift to me was a playstation 3 because i was super into video games and uh yeah i had ended up getting rid of it uh because we bought we used it the money to buy something but she bought me for our 10 year anniversary. She bought me a, a Nintendo switch, which you can play either on the TV or, or handheld. And she said, you know, that is something that has always given you so much joy. And she's like, I just wanted you to have it, you know? So I've been playing it and uh, it's just awakened this joy inside of me that I haven't felt in a long time. And, you know, there's times when I sit down on the couch next to her to play it, she's watching TV, I'm playing this game. And in my mind, I'm like, Oh, I should be doing it this but then i'm like no because i feel like this this is doing something in me that is important and so just kind of running with it yeah something as silly as a video game (laughs) absolutely absolutely yeah Yeah. you know i think the most the (laughs) the most mindful verse that i know in the bible is uh uh the philippians verse. you know i can do all things yeah christ who gives me strength yeah um it's and, and, you know, and I used to think of that verse just being like, I can do all things. Right. <laughs> right. And, and really, when you look at that, it's like, I can do, you know, I can do everything with grace. Mm. With the, I can, I can wash the dishes. I can play a video game next to my wife. Yep. I can walk in the woods. I can, you know, apply for food stamps. I can, I can do anything, whether it's joy giving or or not it, with this real kind of equanimity and peace of mind yeah that's what i that's what i wish for for everybody listening and for you glenn thank you i love mm-hmm. it well kelly this has been amazing uh, we're just about out of time which means that we're gonna have to have you back on again so we can keep the conversation going i would love it that'd I would be love great it. uh real quick before you go uh where can people find you and connect with you online 
So my website is aspiralspace.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's info there about me, about spiritual direction, about mindfulness. And, um, and just know too that, you know, I work with people um, who are Christians, but I also work with people. I also work with a lot of people who do not use God language at all. Mm-hmm. And we really do spiritual direction from kind of more of a mindfulness perspective. So um, I'm sure you have a host of listeners that are of different backgrounds. So yeah, that sounds like a good topic for next time. Yeah, <laughs> not, None of the God talk and spiritual direction. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I'll put all your links uh, in the show notes and I'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Glenn. Right. Thank you. I know that there's something so special about you and me, babe. You got me, you got me, you got me feeling fine. So just say the words cause you know what it means to me, babe. When you got me, you got me, you got me feeling right. Your eyes, your eyes hypnotize me, baby. Oh, your eyes, oh, your eyes